Welcome to Speak for Yourself. I'm Marcel Swally. He's Emmanuel Acho. We're going to start today's show with the devastating news in Texas, where the Warriors played the Mavericks in Dallas yesterday. But everybody's minds were on the mass shooting at an elementary school earlier in the day. That was just a few hundred miles away in Uvalde, Texas. Before the game, an impassioned Steve Kerr chose to speak about gun control over basketball. Take a listen. I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. Acho, what's your reaction to the tragedy in Texas? Well, as someone born and raised in Texas, as someone who literally just spent um, this previous weekend at a educational institution at the University of Texas, this one hit near Mm. uh, home. Mm. My reaction is this. People don't make a change until they are tired of the result. Mm. And until we collectively are tired of the result, are tired of senseless death, are tired of gun violence, then we will not as a society come together and make a change. I am also tired of sending out thoughts, prayers, Mm. positive energy. While I might believe in all of those things, I too believe that faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And so thoughts, prayers, and positive energy are undermined if we do not work. And when I say work, if we do not work together, regardless of what side of the aisle you stand on, regardless of your personal views, what we are currently doing is not working. Hmm. So when a parent drops their child off at school, they anticipate picking up their child from school in one piece. This was the last week of school before summer break, before summer vacation. Plans were set. Hotels were booked. Airline flights were already purchased. But a gunman. Mm. So my initial reaction is let us never become so numb to unnecessary and senseless tragedy that we simply put out a tweet, a thought, a prayer, and we continue on with our day. Mm. So my, my last little bit, And I can't wait to hear what you have to say. These topics, I'm always incredibly intrigued, more than any other sports topic, because I love these type of conversations with you. You make me a better human being. Uh, My last thought is this. Four hours from where the Mavericks played last night, 21 people were killed. But the Mavericks still played last night. Mm. Imagine how numb we have become as a society to where there is a mass murder not only occurring within our nation, but a mass murder occurring within miles, roughly 200 or so miles from where a game took place and the game still took place as though nothing had occurred. Yes. Now, I can't fault the athletes, I can't fault the owners, and I can't nor will I fault the fans, but what I will do is challenge all of us. How can we continue to move on as though nothing happened? And the only answer is because we are numb to it, but we cannot begin to become numb to senseless tragedy. Otherwise, it will continue to persist. 
And the the mistake we have now made in a society is thinking as though this just happens as though it's a natural disaster. Mm. Gun violence is not a natural disaster. There is nothing natural. There is nothing natural about mass murder. Mm. There is nothing natural about killing and taking innocent lives. So mm. let's not try to categorize this as some sort of nat- natural disaster that occurs every year or two. Man, well said, because I know it hit home, especially because it happened near your home. Um, once I hear about any gun tragedy, it hits home for me as well. As you know, I grew up, unfortunately, around a lot of gun violence. Um, as I sit here 47 years surviving all of those gun violent incidents. Uh, I'm also a guy who understands this from a different perspective. I don't want to say unique. I just say it's different. Um, I won an award for the Brady Gun Center against to prevent gun violence. I won an award. I was an advocate for it. And in their mission statement, they advocate for gun control and against gun violence. And in this situation, I think we all need to stop. And we all need to recognize our emotional outrage. We're all disgusted at this. However, once you're out of that emotional state and emotional content, where does the road to a solution start? Now, that's why I think I have a different perspective. Uh, I really got involved in some of the politics. I got involved because of the gun violence I was forced to be around to try and look for some gun advocacy and some gun control. Here's the question. You ready? Man made the machine, right? And man makes the machine destroy. So what's the real problem here in terms of solution? Man. A lot of times we get into these situations and we say, We want change. And then that change has to come in one or two forms. You got to change the man or you got to change the machine in terms of access. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to change the machine in terms of access. Background checks. I hear it all the time. I want to remind people that of all the murderers, 33 percent of them had no previous record. So you're going to eliminate it. Perfect is the enemy of good. I get it. It's not going to be a perfect solution. It's going to be a better solution, but you want to eliminate it. We start to go all the way down the course of actions in terms of how we can bring this problem to a halt. And we never talk about how we going to address the biggest problem, which is man. You brought it up and it was interesting. We can't get normalized. We can't be numb to these moments. But here's the moment right here. In this situation, We are not talking about how we can affect man. Here's your example. Emotionally, when you go to church, you're a churchgoer. I'm a churchgoer. You go to church and everyone in the congregation gets to a spiritual place. They get to a uniform emotional place. And has this ever happened to you? Once you leave the church grounds, you walk in, driving away, and somebody all of a sudden from that congregation, not acting like we in church anymore, right? That fast. There's an emotional, logical conversation that is missing each other in this situation. And that's the problem. We're in, we're in a place right now where the emotional outrage is fever pitch, as it should be. And you know me, I have four kids, three little ones. And I don't even want to go into that emotional state of what 
this would have felt like if it hit me. Because I feel like it already did. Every parent I've talked to has cried in the last 24 hours. Every parent that I've talked to. In empathy and in imagination if it happened to them. So I'll show my reaction to this tragic incident yesterday. Well, it was too familiar. It was too close to home. And that should be all of us feeling that way. Sell if America's the greatest country on earth, which I believe it to be, mm-hmm. then it has to act like the greatest country on earth, particularly in times like this. Okay. We cannot proclaim to be the greatest country on earth when it comes to accruing wealth. Mm-hmm. We can't proclaim to be the greatest country on earth when it comes to living out an American dream. We mm-hmm. cannot proclaim to be the greatest country on earth when it comes to um, equality yet still watch lives be taken so Mm. casually and carelessly. Mm. If America's going to be the greatest country on earth, well, now the time is to show itself to be the greatest country on earth. So I'm thinking about the fact that memory for children is not typically formed until the age of seven. Childhood amnesia is what scientists like to call it. Uh You don't really form your memory as a child until the age of seven. Think about so many of the lives that were taken between the ages of seven to 10. Think about the the, the children on that campus now. Your earliest memory that you are going to have formed is that of a gunman coming onto the one Mm. place that should be safest for you in this life, school, Mm. and taking the lives of your classmates, the lives of your teachers, the lives of your friends. For me, it's, it's so sad because of the trauma, the tragedy, and the impact that it's going to have. And then I think about sports because this is what? This is a sports show. Yeah. And I'm just so, I was so taken aback yesterday in an inner turmoil watching the game because I'm like, this game is just that, a game. Mm. When there are lives being taken miles and minutes from the stadium in which this game is being played. Mm. So you know what they say, you can't fight fire with fire. And I think the same would be true is that you can't fight firearm with firearm. No. Like the solution in my mind is not to equip students. Solution in my mind is not to equip teachers. So I'm not exactly sure what the solution is, but I will say this kind of as, as I try to summarize my thoughts is, there was a, a, a beauty to the, to the silence that COVID caused. There was a beauty to the silence that COVID caused because we had no distractions. Mm-hmm. See, in, in the midst of COVID, everybody just had to sit there and deal with their illnesses, not literally speaking, but figuratively speaking, the country that is. We had to just kind of sit there and deal with our issues and until we actually are willing to sit in this and deal with the fact that we got an issue, then I don't know that we will truly be able to see any sort of the progress we want to be made happen. Because if you remember, during the pandemic, there were minimal sporting events. Mm. There were minimal distractions. There was, there was uh, minimal new shows. We were just all kind of sitting and collectively trying to figure out how can we learn to love one another more? How can we learn to get along better? How can we learn to love ourselves more? And in this moment, I think we all need to once again take a step back pause and try to figure out how can we collectively be better as a nation yeah that collective and i love it man because we all feel this emotional charge and then we say what are the proper steps to take so that we can 
deter, if not make sure these situations never occur. And that comes to gun control. That comes to what we were talking about earlier. I'm a gun owner. I get my gun back yesterday. If you gave me the promise that these situations will go away. However, when you talk about a community, when you talk about us as a collective, and that's the beauty, beautiful part. We're all trying to subscribe to something that is peaceful and loving for us all. But remember, all of us are not subscribing to that. I grew up around people that took lives. I've been shot at two or three different times, bullets. I don't think I was a directed target, which made it feel even worse how random it was. Two, three different days of my life. And I sit here as I sat there then, and I never looked at the gun as the issue. I never looked at the bullet as the issue. I looked at the people who didn't want to hold up that collective fiber in terms of peace and love as those are the people we need to talk to and address. And those people are on the fringes. Like that is a very small population. So what I'm feeling emotionally is trying to reach what I'm knowing logically, which is the solution is nearly impossible. Here's an example to bring it home. In our country, more people die from heart issues, right? High blood pressure, strokes, and heart attacks, and car accidents and car vehicle deaths than guns. However, you don't blame the salt, you don't blame the cars. And I'm not up here trying to promote our Second Amendment. I'm not up here saying any of that. I'm saying we're not fully directing our energy at what the real issue is. And the real issue here, <laughs> here we go. You know that success is not natural. Do you know that doing the right thing is not natural? Like when you're born, we want to say that we're pure, but if you ever been around a one or two year old, they kick, they scratch, they bite. They, they, you know what you have to do? You have to properly cultivate, lead them by example, lead them through experience so that they won't become deviant. I know this from kids. I got kids. You let, if you take your, steer, your hands off the steering wheel with kids, the car's out of control. And what's happening in our country right now as a collective is that with the haves and have nots, there are people being left behind. There are people who are not being spoken to. So they're speaking through their actions in deviant ways. I, told, I wish I had a solution, but I'm going to tell you, through all my experiences, 47 and counting, I don't. And I'm tired of having this be a trigger for me to even think about that solution when I know the best way to address this problem is already around us. Let me ask you this, because you talk about already around us. Um, you have kids I do not. Are you having those conversations with, of your little ones, MJ is your oldest, yeah. six. I mm -hmm. believe maybe he turned seven, he's still six. Yeah, he's six. So six. Are you having those conversations? What are the conversations? Absolutely not um, having the conversations. Um, I want right now at this phase, uh, his ignorance to be his bliss. And obviously that goes for my three and two year old. Why? Because they won't have any different course of actions. They're not emotionally intelligent enough. They're not logical enough to understand and process this, this devastation. To be real, I haven't processed it. Like dog, when you live, a normal, peaceful existence. And I saw you post something about this that gave me that great reminder that tomorrow's not promised, so why are you lying to yourself? It happens in an instant. It happened in an instant for me. 
all of a sudden, reality is not real. You can't even imagine it. You have never been prepared for this. No matter how much instruction, how much drill work you've had, how much training you've had, you're never prepared to see your mortality right in front of your face. And it's at the hands of another person, not a greater being than you, just another being. And I had to go through that, man. And what I'm not going to do right now without my kids actually capable of having a real discussion on it is bring them to somewhere that they're not going to know where they are. But I've been advised and our school is doing a great job of advising us through those steps because there are kids, sixth graders at our kids at our school that are old enough to have that Q&A. But right now, I don't think that my kids will have any A's. So we don't have that discussion. Here's my thing. So I remember when I was, what, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, we used to have to do tornado drills. Mm-hmm. Have to do fire drills. They do they it here. Tell you, you know, yes. walk into the hall, get into a line, or in different types of drills, hide under your desk. Tornado drills and fire drills is what I had to do as an elementary student mm. in preparation for a disaster. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, now children have to prepare for murderers to walk onto their campuses. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if that's something we can prepare for, nor do I know if that's something we can remain ignorant to. Yeah. Because it's now become a reality. You had the shooting in Buffalo last week in a supermarket. You had the shooting in, an, uh, in a church in, 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 in California. Yeah. And now you have this. So, you know, the craziest, I think, part of all this, and, and, and now I'm just speaking from the heart, is, you know, there's typically a respect from human to human. There's common decency. There is a unwritten code of conduct. Mm, we talk about it. it all the time in sports. Hey, I'm not going to take this cheap shot because although I want to win the game, there's an unspoken policy of lines that you do not cross within sports. Mm. And the same thing in life, there are unwritten codes of conduct, I believe, right? You, you don't enter into uh, a house of worship and start fighting people, a house of worship, and start shooting places up. You don't enter into a school and start fighting people, a school and start shooting places up. Just based off the simple premise of respect of humanity, there are certain lines that you do not cross. But I feel as though we have now crossed those lines and blurred those lines, and to some degree, everything is now becoming fair game. Like there are certain places I do believe that there is a higher level of sanctity, educational, houses of worship, etc. There is a higher level of esteem, mm. a higher level mm. of sanctity, a higher level of reverence. Mm. But I don't think we still revere humanity like we used to. And I know for certain mm. that we don't still revere the, the houses of worship and the educational houses as well. And we have to find a way to get back to that because I don't know if we can remain ignorant as it pertains to educating those younger than us if it is in fact a reality. Yeah, it's been a reality, though. It's been a reality. You know that war zones don't have boundaries. Um, and in America, we have war zones. We have criminal war zones. I grew up in one. <laughs> My grandmother moved from Watts after the riots because Watts was too violent. And she moves to Compton, which becomes as violent. And my mother, her daughter, moves from Compton to South Central off Slauson because Compton was too violent. And then off Slauson becomes too violent. They don't have no boundaries. And this is in the 60s, 70s, 80s. You fast forward. 
to right now. Why do I bring that up? It's already happening, y'all. It's already been in existence. People are messed up. And I don't know if people want to acknowledge that or people want to surmise that, but people are messed up. People grow up in messed up situations. People grow up in the same household and have two different experiences, let alone on the same block, let alone in the same neighborhood. And there are some people that you walk by on the daily that are messed up. And what's the solution? It's not saying, hey, you can't go reach for something and go to the Walmart, go to the store and purchase it or go black market and purchase it. It's to try your best to make sure that that person gets course corrected because they're messed up. But we turn a blind eye in terms of resources most of the time to those people that are messed up. And then something messy happens. You didn't see this killer coming. What was he, 18 years young? Like, there's no way in logically that's going to give us that solution. And so we all sit here emotionally distraught. And that's what I don't like. You brought up some great examples, great anecdotes. But here I, I push back and say this. You say, we used to protect the school. We used to protect the church, etc. Let me just add to that list. We should protect home. I got shot at leaving home. If I can't protect home, where else am I going? Like, think about that. I go to church, that's two hours. I go to school, that's six hours. I'm at home all day, every day. And they never protect home. So when we get into, you can't go to the supermarket. You can't go to church. You can't go to school. Yes, and add, you can't go to home. Los Angeles right now, since we're at home, let's talk home. All the random violence is all of a sudden, it's hitting people different, right? Beverly Hills, you're getting robbed. Homie Hills, you're getting robbed. It used to be just watch Compton South. Like, it's, random. it's always been random and it's an uptick because people are feeling that distraught. So tell me, big dog, um, are we going to go with the circular logic, the circular chance of events, what always happens? We feel this and then we try to do something and then it doesn't get done. And then this happens again. Where do we go in that cycle? I think the everything you're saying is is unfortunately accurate. Accurate. It's unfortunate. There we go. Accurate. But what I'm reminded from a positive note is please help me. If hurt people do, in fact, hurt people, then the only thing we can be left to do is heal people mm. because hurt people are going to continually hurt people. And mm. now those hurt people will in turn hurt people. So then what must we do? We must collectively as a society and individually as each and every person mm. make it a point on a daily basis to heal people because mm. otherwise we will be left with nothing but yeah. hurt upon hurt upon yeah. hurt because yeah. there is no simple solution that we can all unanimously agree upon. Right. But the only thing I think we can all unanimously Unanimously understand is that hurt people hurt people, and thus it's our responsibility to heal hey. people until we can heal a nation. I love that. I mean, that's what that's what we hold on to. We hold on to that higher thought. We hold on to that higher ethic that we hope that we all are collectively subscribing to. But your concern right now needs a course of action, right? It, it needs to show itself and manifest, and that's the most difficult part. So as if you say to everyone watching and everyone around you, you say, raise your hand if you're for the peace and love and protection of all. Everyone's going to raise their hand. Now look around. Everyone didn't raise their hand. More speak for yourself after this. 
The Mavericks got a big win last night and avoided being swept by the Warriors. Now, Dallas was up by 29 points in the fourth quarter, and they were led by Luka Doncic's 30 points. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit, but Luka said after the game, quote, I still believe we can win, close quote. So, Sel, are you giving the Mavs a chance to win the series? Oh, after that, hey, Black, I'm glad you gave me a simple question, and it's an easy answer. Hell no, the Mavs ain't going to win this series. You want to know why? I am so smart. You know why? Because I know people smarter than me. Andy is smarter than me. Andy at Research sent me this one line. Shall we end the block and just do the C block and just say, coming up? No team has ever come back to win the series after being down 3-0. You want to keep talking? <laughs> Y'all ain't going to be the first. Let's talk about this. They got close. Oh, Portland in 3 Oh, my God. 3-3. Oh, game seven. Oh, God. Denver Nuggets. Oh, 3-3. Oh, oh, game seven. Oh, the New York Knicks. Oh, 3-3. Even if you come all the way. And it's so funny because we can all conceptualize it. When you're way back, and we see it in track and field all the time. Oh, the guy in second just come oh, get to the finish line. And then he, you're like, one more gear or one more step. He ain't got it, dog. He, he used up all of his bank account trying to close that damn gap. He get right there and something just says, that'll do it. And then, vroom, take your silver. I hate to do it to you guys like this because they show great character. That is amazing to show when you know that you're staring at defeat. You're staring at your existence. Right there in that moment, you still come out swinging. Respect to the Mavs, but they're going down. Ain't no I way. feel it, big dog. Unfortunately, um, I don't see it happening. Now, no, no. I do think the Mavs can steal another game. Okay. I don't even know if they can steal another two. But um, Mavs ain't getting this done. We have to remember, mm. what did the Mavs do last night? The Mavs put on a phenomenal performance. I'm not, I'm not talking about Luka. Think about the Mavericks outside of Luka shot 53% from three. Mm. The Mavericks outside of Luka shot 55% from the field. And the Mavericks outside of Luka had 89 points in the game. Typically, yeah. they shoot 30, 39, and have 67 points per game. So the Mavericks outside of Luka had a career night mm. and still only won by 10. Say that again. <laughs> now, here is what we have yet to see. I haven't seen Luka put the team on his back in a winning effort in this series. Oh. Which is why I think Ooh. the Mavericks can still go take one, maybe still go take Luke two. Mm. We haven't seen Luka give you that 50-point game or that mm. 46, 12, and 12 in a winning effort mm. type of game. So I think Luka can still go out there and ball and steal one. Remember, Luka was only three for 11 yesterday from the field. So it's not as though Luka had himself the game of the ages or a game to remember. Luka was... Pretty bad by Luka metrics, but statistically he was all right when it comes down to 30 points. But by Luka metrics, he wasn't good, Luka and metric. they got the dub. I like that. So if you want to take a step back from it, you can say, okay, I can see the Mavs getting one. I mm. might be able to see the Mavs getting two more. Mm. But for the Mavs to go all the way back and win this series, that is a tall task. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back to football. This never happened to me. Closest thing, though, last week I told you we lost in our playoffs, my little peewees. Hey, tremendous effort. Y'all lost? Man, stop playing. We're having an MJ. He here? <laughs> Barry Sanders never won a Super Bowl either. So let's <laughs> leave MJ alone. Um, but I remember we had the ball and we were only down six. And I was like, we got a shot. Have you ever been in this situation? 45 seconds left in the game. You're down 17. So you're thinking to yourself, we all do the mental math. All right, we go down and score quick, okay? Do an onside. We can get the ball back and score again. But, dog, we ain't getting the ball again. <laughs> I had to tell you, Coach, but I quit before the time elapsed. I was like, we down 17? 
For homicide? Ain't no way. And that's what it is. They were down 0-3. There's no way. Even if they were basically saying you couldn't beat them in three games, but now you're going to beat them four straight. You couldn't beat them once in three, and you're going to beat them four straight. Stop playing with me, especially when the Warriors are undefeated this postseason at home. Here's the one argument. Stop playing. Ain't Here's no one. argument. There is, there's one. There's one. Read <laughs> what? Angry Luca is like Hoodie Mello. Angry Luca Ooh, is like beast. full head of hair LeBron. <laughs> Angry Luca. When was that? <laughs> AAU? <laughs> Yeah, no way. Angry Luca is the best version of Luca. Remember how Luca turned up after Devin Booker tried him with the whole Luca special. Remember how Luca turned up Game Seven in Phoenix, ended that series, ended that series before halftime even hit. In the event Luca now has flipped the switch, because remember what we said going into the game yesterday: Luca has to get his guys going first Mm. and then get his. Mm. What did we see yesterday? All of a sudden, Luca got his guys going. Finney Smith got going. Bullock got going. Brunson got going. After Luka got his guys going, then Luka got going. In the event Luka can figure out a new strategy of approach, he can steal a few games. The real question is, Mm. can Luka get it to seven? Do you Mm. think Luka can even steal two more to get it to seven? Nope, because Golden State's not going to lose that many games at home. Nope, nope, nope. He's going to hit the switch. Luka in elimination games is insane. 38. He has five career elimination games, most in NBA history in terms of points scored, 36.4. 38, 46, 33, 35. And even, like you said, by Luka Metrics, not the greatest game, he scored 30 last night. This dude is insane with him back against the wall. Here's why I don't think they're going to do it. Ah, Let me say this the right way because i got to say this properly. Um, A team takes on the complexion of their coach. Yes, sir. Steve Kerr had a heavy heart. Mm-hmm. He didn't even want to talk basketball in the press conference Very before true. the game, right? And this means that the team didn't feel their normal energy level, their normal sense of self. Whatever that is, it was different, right? Stephen, oh my God. Wiggins finished with 13 points, series low. Mm. Clay Thompson, 12 points, series low. Mm. Steph on the shot, series low, 20 points and a team high. Dudes was affected, bro. Simple as that. As I'm affected, I can't even talk right now. Here's the thing. That's not going to be the same emotional state going forward for the next three games. And you need that to happen not only for those three games. (laughs) Everyone will go low, low, low. You go high, high, high. You're a betting man. You placing that bet? at all. Neither. Coming up, Kyler Murray wants a long-term deal, but we'll tell you if the Cardinals should wait to pay their quarterback. Next, don't speak for yourself. Back. Saturday is the USFL primetime showdown between the New Orleans Breakers and Jeff Fisher's Michigan Panthers. Kickoff, 9 Eastern on FS1. Then Sunday, the league-leading Birmingham Stallions take on the Pittsburgh Maulers. 2 Eastern on Fox. Contract talks for Kyler Murray remain quiet for now, according to reports, despite his desire for a long-term deal. Feature Report wrote, the easiest way for the Cardinals to avoid a potentially catastrophic mistake is to let Murray earn that whopper of an extension by showing he's capable not only of making the playoffs, but of making noise once he gets there. Acho, ooh, should the Cardinals wait to pay Kyler Murray? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Cardinals need to treat Kyler Murray just like Kyler Murray's Oklahoma counterpart, Baker Mayfield. Kyler got to get that Baker treatment, big dog. Fifth-year option. Already, and he's For- al- he already been given that fifth-year option. Why, Sal? Because that's it? when I look at Kyler and I look at Baker, truth be told, outside of the commercials and a few rushing statistics that when it comes down to playing quarterback don't actually impact that much, Kyler and Baker really the same dude. Oh, really? Through the first three seasons of ball, and I hope we have the full screen ready. There it is. Bang. the first three seasons of ball, look at their overall records. Mm. Through the first three seasons of ball, look at their passing touchdowns and interceptions. Mm. Through the first three seasons of ball, look at how many passing yards versus passing attempts. Mm. Through the first three seasons of ball, look at how many passing yards, period. Through the first three seasons of ball, look at their passer rating. Now, you tell me, can you notice a big difference? And don't you dare tell me. I will. Don't you dare tell me I will. that Baker Mayfield went to a better organization because we know that's a lie from the pits of hell. Well, he didn't so, go to a worse organization. He absolutely did. Well, I mean. Baker Mayfield went to a franchise that was 1-31 in 31 in the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. That was not what Kyler Murray did. Yeah. Baker Mayfield went to an organization mm-hmm. where his coach inherited him and he inherited his coach. Oh. Baker Mayfield, excuse oh. me, not Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Okay. Kyler Murray went to an organization where his coach knew him since he was 16 years old, Big dog. What they got to do with anything? They got to do with everything. I mean, I know you. We're going to lose together, and I know. <laughs> what you mean? Kyler Murray, as I look at it, when it comes to impact on the field through their first three seasons, very similar. Ooh. Now, clearly I am omitting rushing statistics. Kyler Murray, 1,700 rushing yards, uh, 20 rushing uh, touchdowns uh. through three seasons. I am absolutely omitting rushing statistics, mm. and I don't have a problem doing so. Here's why. Okay. Who won the Super Bowl last year? Matthew Stafford. My dog. He have an amazing running ability? Nope. Who won the Super Bowl the year before? Tom Brady. He have an uncanny running ability? Nope. Mm. Who won the Super Bowl the year before? Patrick Mahomes. He have an uncanny running ability? No. Who won the Super Bowl the year before? I think it was Tom Brady once again, more than likely. <laughs> Just say that every Brady other out. time. Tom Brady. He <laughs> have an uncanny running ability? No. Who won the Super Bowl the year before? Nick Foles. Does he have an uncanny running ability? No. So at the end of the day, I really don't care about my quarterback's ability to run in the case of Kyler Murray. Uh. Because when it comes down to winning Super Bowls, whether Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, none of them cats is just beasts when it comes down to tucking it and running it. I want to see what my quarterback can do when it's time to really from the pocket quarterback. Oh, Kyler Murray looks way too similar statistically, to Baker Mayfield. For that reason, I'm going to give him that Baker Mayfield treatment. I'm going to give him his fifth-year option, which the Cardinals have given him, and let's let it play out. Mm, mm, mm. If only the game were played on paper, because that's where you put stats, you know? We see you accumulate stats. We see the person play, and then we see the stats on paper. And we forget, what's that person look like? Kyler Murray, different as a leader than Baker Mayfield. And, and Kyler Murray has his issues. As a leader? As a leader, yeah. Right. You, you want to know why he's a leader? You want to know why he's a leader? Because you just said he went to a bad situation, but he went with the homie. <laughs> Five wins, eight wins, nine wins. That's called improvement. Sure. Judge a man by the distance travel. Let's start there. Let's also judge this man by what he's accomplished. Has Baker Mayfield ever made the Pro Bowl? It's a popularity contest. Well, he's popular twice. Has <laughs> <laughs> Baker Merrifield won Rookie of the Year? 
Kyler Murray joined Cam Newton and Josh Allen. He's the only quarterbacks in league history with 20 or more rushing touchdowns, and I know why you omitted that because that's not necessarily going to get you the Super Bowl. Hey, but it's going to help. It doesn't hurt. Beats the alternative hey, of not being hurt. able to yes, run. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, did Kyler Murray have a better passer rating last year than – tell me if he's good, Josh Allen. Yeah. Is Patrick Mahomes good? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm out. Um, completion percentage. Is Aaron Rodgers good? Well, Kyler Murray got better than him. What about uh, yards per game? Josh Allen, total touchdowns, um, you like Russell Wilson still? You talking about how he's going to have impact in Denver, but you can't talk about how Kyler Murray has had impact in Arizona? Here's the thing. When you put him next to each other, there is no worse franchise than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they just won a Super Bowl. You trying to tell me Cleveland is the worst. No, it wasn't. Tampa Bay has the most losses in sports history. They surpassed the Clippers until Tom Brady came there and got that championship. Kansas City went 50 years without winning the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes changed all that around. So let's not act like he went to the worst situation in football. Kyler Murray went to an equally bad situation because they didn't know which way was up in Arizona until Kyler got there and helped them improve. They were 7-0 last year before injury. Go. Stop. Go. I played for the Cleveland Browns. I was drafted to Cleveland. My brother played for the Arizona Cardinals. He was drafted to Arizona. I know both of those organizations. No, you know both cities. You comparing the cities. And I know both organizations. I done walked into both of the facilities. I know about both of the GMs. Are they saying tier? Past and present. I know both of the owners, past and present, from Jim, uh, from Bidwell to Haslam. So, you know that the Arizona Cardinals as a city or an organization okay. is significantly more advanced Let's than go. the Cleveland Browns as a city Let's go. Or How much more advanced? You trying to make it too much. I'm listening. The I'm listening. Cardinals had been to the playoffs in 2015. No, no, no. The Browns that's hadn't even been to the playoffs since God okay. knows when, 2002. Yeah. So uh, to okay. me, that's apples and oranges. Yeah. Now let's get back to these apples, let's, these pomegranates. Um, money doesn't change you. No. We've talked about this. No, 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 no. What's no. money do? Reveals who you are. Correct. Money doesn't change you, y'all. Money just reveals who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if Kyler Murray is immature with less money, if Kyler Murray Wait. is highly emotional with mm. less money, mm. if Kyler Murray has a propensity to get on social media and and, and, and start drama with less money, mm. if Kyler Murray is allegedly a bad leader with less money, and money ain't going to change him. So it's not going to make any of those things better. Mm-hmm. All money is going to do is take a microfine, microfine glass and put it over him. Why in God's name would you want to reveal who Kyler Murray is at this junction of Kyler Murray? Mm. We've seen uh, Ryan Clark talk about Antonio Brown in regards to that. Oh, you yeah. know several teammates. I know yeah. several teammates. Yeah. As soon as they got paid, mm. boy, did they start acting bad. Yeah, I'm one of them. The sec- <laughs> what do you mean teammates? They talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> the second they got paid, they started acting up. Yes. Now imagine if they was acting up before they got paid. Did that too. See, y'all forget, Antonio Brown wasn't acting up before the money. Mm. He wasn't at all. Like, remember mm. old school Antonio Brown, six-round draft pick Antonio mm. Brown. He was not acting up before the money. What's now, this? I mean, come on. Having fun. Okay, but what has he done? He got his feet burned. What else? <laughs> like, what did he like, do? He wasn't. I'm saying what? he, what he do? was not. There were no lawsuits. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, So money, and again, you can make a direct correlation between money and Antonio Brown's change of behavior, or it could be coincidence. It could Mm. be causation. It could be correlation. Mm. Y'all deduce that on your own time. Mm. But all I know is this. Between personal experience of guys I've seen, money's just going to make you reveal who you are. Kyler Murray has already shown us he's immature, Sal. 
mm-hmm. and you want to now pay an immature dude preemptively yes. $160 million? Yes. For what? I'll tell you why. Because there's someone in that room, capologist, that realizes here we are right now. We know we're going to marry Kyler Murray. We're just trying to extend when we get married. But do we? Yes. Let me tell you why. Because where are you going to find another franchise quarterback? You're not. It's so difficult to find them in the draft. So difficult to find. You're never going to see one in free agency. It's so rare. So the draft is the only place. And do you really want to reset this when we're improving every year? Let me remind you of that. You were 7-0 last year before injury. Maybe this year you can finish the deal. But the capologist is sitting there saying, hey, guys, here's a simple mathematical formula. I know you guys are talking a lot about is Kyler Murray good or great. We know he's good enough and we know we're going to marry him. You're just trying to push the wedding out. Let me tell you why you shouldn't. The cap is going to go up next year. Do you want his salary to go up with the cap? Which means we don't get that difference versus if you just pay him now and then the cap goes up. We benefit from that gap. Mm. It's a simple mathematical equation. You're over here talking about, is he a 9 or a 10 on the grading scale? I'm saying let's get the money to him now while he's still a cheaper version of what he's going to be. Here's why I hate this take. Here's why I hate this take just about more than any other take you've given. Because <laughs> oh. you aren't even living out what you're preaching. Oh, go, 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 go. Uh-oh, what contract? Which one? Sale. Yeah, I'm here. There were several engagements that you were engaged with that you pushed out a wedding because you wanted to make sure whether or not, now put your hand down. You wanted to make sure whether or not they were the one that you wanted to do life with. So you had an engagement period. You picked up their fifth year option. <laughs> you put a wedding ring on, a, you put an engagement ring on a finger fifth and date. you said, hey, fifth date option. I'm going to commit to you to a degree. We're not dating. We're not talking. I'm we're engaged. To, I'm listening to you. You right picked up so her fifth-year option. Mm, uh, but you didn't marry her. You didn't walk down the aisle. Why? Because why marry him if you know it's going to end in divorce sooner than later? Do, Cardinals, what Marcellus Vernon Wiley did. You can put an engagement ring on it. You can pick up the fifth-year option. But just like Sal, he said, you know what? Let me figure out if I want to marry you. And in Marcellus Wiley's case, he said no the first time. And the second and the third time. But in Marcellus Wiley's case, he picked up the fifth-year option, and that was that. Mm. So you're not even living out what you're preaching. That's why I can't hear none of what you're telling me. Oh, that was an amazing example. You brought me home. Look, you didn't live through those experiences, so you're off on a detail here and there. (laughs) One, I never planned a wedding. I let the engagement ring make them think that we were getting married. That engagement ring purchase bought me the time. Not even planning a far out wedding. Smart. (laughs) So here's the thing. I got to learn who they were. They not Kyler Murray. They weren't improving every time, every time we hung out, every time. It started to go this way. And I'm sure I did but as well. When? Huh? It probably started to go this way after the ring. Well, after no, the ring. no, after the ring, it made me look at them differently because I'm like, this is real money. Kyler Murray been making money already. Sal, you on to my point. No, I'm you off are. your point. Nah, you are, okay, you say why I'm on and I tell you why I'm on. Because the fifth year option is $29 million. Yes. So they are going to start to look at Kyler Murray differently like you started to look at the engagements differently yes. after you gave them that ring because now all of a sudden you said, ooh, that's real money. 
I'm telling you, you're, you have lived out what the Cardinals are in right now. No, hold on. That sounds amazing. But do you know, all right, $29 million yes, is the fifth-year option. Do you know in 2019 he made $25 million? This dude already been eating. We don't know about it. Then if you accumulate all of that money up to this point, he's made $36-plus million. All I'm saying is whatever we're looking for an exposure of who the real Kyler Murray is, you already see it. He's made $36 million in one year, 25. And then you talking about, oh, if I give him 29, I'm going to see something different. That's my point. Because here's what you are going to do. Okay. You are essentially trying to match Kyler Murray's career earnings, at least 85% of yeah, them, yeah, in yes. one year. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is this. Yeah. Kyler ain't Anna Marie. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And the sooner you realize that Kyler ain't Anna Marie, the sooner you will get off this atrocious take. Kyler's one of the first three, but he ain't Anna Marie. <laughs> Well, I still ain't won a Super Bowl either way. <laughs> I ain't talking to you. Trying to bring my wife into it. That was a good one. Coming up, the Warriors starters were on the bench during their fourth quarter comeback. We'll tell you if they should have been back in earlier. Oh, that's Anna Marie calling out. You in trouble next. Don't speak for yourself. <laughs> she like, yeah. The Warriors were down by 29 points in the fourth quarter last night, but... Their bench led a 32-11 run and cut the lead to eight points. Now, Steph Curry came back in the game with three minutes left, and other starters soon followed. But too little, too late. Steve Kerr was asked about waiting to bring the starters back in and said he wanted to, quote, see if we can pull off a miracle. Close quote. We got to bring in our own NBA analyst, and we're bringing him in right on time, unlike Steve Kerr shaking. Mm. Anyway, mm. Sal, should Steve Kerr has put his starters back in earlier? No, no, no. Nah, that's hindsight 2020 for you guys out there, you mere mortals. I had LASIK, so I'm 25. I can see it all. So, no, you're not supposed to put them in. Hindsight results, and you see the gap closing, and all of a sudden it makes you revise what the plan was. Here's the thing. This wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't, to, oh, let's see if we can close this gap. The plan was to get the youngsters some work and just, just move on to the next. And then all of a sudden, you started to see different results, but it wasn't according to plan. So now we can't go all the way back and say, oh, you know what we should have done? What do you mean you should have done? This is the same science behind why a sucker punch actually is effective. You want to know why? Because you didn't see it coming. If somebody walked up to you right now on Slick, Rick, somebody walked up to you, Acho, right now and said, what's up, homie, and squared up on you, you're going to have a better defense than if somebody just walked by in. Yeah, and that's what happened to the Dallas Mavericks. They were out there playing, saying, well, this game is over, and then, wow. And they were like, oh, really? But if you, Steve Kerr, would have went out there with a real plan and said, man, starters all in, let's go. And they would have been like, defense up, let's play and let's fight. That would have ended different. So, no, don't let your hindsight fool you right now. You shouldn't have put the starters in earlier. It wasn't hindsight, Sal. No. Truth be told, I literally text Colvin, our producer, during the game. I'm watching the game on silent. I'm in a business meeting, and I see the, 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 the Warriors making a comeback, comeback, comeback. I text Colvin in the midst of this business meeting, hey, why ain't Steve Kerr putting the starters back in? Mm. Like, I was genuinely baffled mm. as I'm watching the game. This isn't one of those things where I watched at the end, like, oh, he should have put him in sooner. Mm. No, sooner I was wondering – They've cut the lead now. Kaminga uh, just shot two free throws. I think it went 110 to 98. Then I'm like, yo, 
Get him back in. Then mm. they go three-pointer. It was 110-99. They go three-pointer. Now it's 110-102. Now it's too little, too late. Yeah. I think hindsight is to say, man, he should have let the bench players play the whole time and maybe they would have completed it. No, no, no. As soon as you saw the deficit get cut to 12, you got to bring Steph in. You got to bring Dre in. You got to bring Clay in. You got to bring the whole squad in. And Sel alluded to this about 30 minutes ago when – it's, it's a little more nuanced and probably more somber slick, but I genuinely think basketball was not the most important thing to Steve Kerr yesterday, nor should basketball have been the most important thing to Steve Kerr yesterday. I think Steve Kerr had a lot on his mind and even more on his heart. Truth be told, I think that in part Steve Kerr was not fully present and he should not have been fully present. And thus, that was the quick lapse in not bringing his starters in just based mm. off watching him pregame, watching him during the game, and then seeing his comments even postgame and even seeing Steph Curry's comments pregame in regards to Steve Kerr's comments pregame. I genuinely think that Steve Kerr had a heart and head divided, and I think there was a mm. quick lapse of Steve Kerr being present in the moment. And again, I fully respect that lapse. I think he would have been unempathetic to not have been uh, partially uh, uh, distracted. Yeah. So with all that being said, Slick, I don't think that would have happened again, and I don't even think Steve Kerr is glad it happened last night. Ooh, smoke. Yeah, I imagine there's a number of guys, uh, coaches, players, everyone involved last night that were distracted or were didn't have their minds fully on the job at hand. But, no, he should not have brought the starters back sooner. And, Otto, you touched upon it. He shouldn't have brought the starters back at all. Because what Steve Kerr has been very masterful at is understanding the big picture. He understands the big picture when it comes to winning series because he's won so many of them. He said it after the first quarter. They, uh, the score was about even, and he said, we're exactly where we need to be. Why? Because he's been in this situation before. He knows what a closeout game on the road is like and that you have to be able to sustain or, or uh, take that first punch from the more desperate team. That's why he said what he said. But the, the big lead wasn't created against the second unit it was the best against the best and the big comeback mm. in the fourth quarter was the Warriors C team not even their B team it was their C team Nemanja Bialica played every minute of the fourth quarter he hadn't played in the previous two games he hadn't played more than five minutes and all of that was in game one then you had Moses Moody Jonathan Kaminga uh, Jordan Poole uh, Damian Lee you had the uh, end of the bench, essentially, in the game. And they made the comeback. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, oh, man, they've, they've made the Mavs so nervous that uh, Jason Kidd had to bring back Luka Doncic, had to bring back his starters in order to hold them off. Now, if they hold them off and it's against the C team, or I dare say they lose against the C team, well, obviously the series is over. But even if they hold off the C team, You've put in the minds of the Mavericks, wow, man, they, they came back on us and they didn't even have their starters in at the end. What's going to happen if we're in a close game and Steph and Clay and Draymond are all on the floor? That's what you would have had psychologically going into game five. By bringing them back, Luka Doncic and the crew with the Mavericks looks at it and says, well, not only did we build that big lead against them in the third quarter, but they brought them back. And they couldn't do anything about it. That's the little edge that the Mavericks have going into game five 
that Steve Kerr gave them, because otherwise it would have been in the reverse. The Warriors could have gone into it, or more, more <laughs> importantly, the Mavs would have gone into it thinking, man, we had a 29-point lead and nearly blew it against the C team. Yes, Slick. I echo what you just said, Slick. I need to see Acho's face. Mister, I'm in a business meeting, but the TV's on, but it's on mute. I guess that ain't the worst thing. But then you texting and the TV's on in a business meeting. What kind of business y'all doing? What time you text, Coven, since you want to talk that talk, homeboy? I got you, big dog. I need a time stamp, homie, right now. Now, how you going to know where it is in the game? Don't you worry about my research. <laughs> Just give me a time. Because I know it's probably <laughs> right after the third quarter. Or was eight, it? 8.28, big dog. 8.28. 828. Oh! Oh! 8.28. Dallas was up. PST. PST. You might have PTSD. <laughs> they were up 29 <laughs> at 8.27. <laughs> I guess they starters. Get some sorry dudes up out of here. And then the dudes that got something to prove. Something to play for. Something that, hey, these are my minutes in the postseason. Gotta go. Dallas was still up by 16 with 436 left in the game. Who you putting in right there? When Steph left in the game 322 and he came back in, Dallas was up eight. That's when I think Acho sent the text like, eight? 322? What's going on here? Then you blink. They were down 10 because Luka had that dunk. Then Clay and Wiggins came in the game. Dallas hit the three. Then you're like, why bring them dudes back in? Because it's 13. So the point being is even if there was a moment where you're like, wait a minute, look at this point differential. That moment didn't go with the flow of the game because your starters as a group got you in this deficit in the first place. And then you look at the Warriors bench that you want to now replace. They scored 32 of the Warriors 39 points in the fourth quarter. So replace the bench that scored most of the points with who? The starters that gave up the lead in the first place? All of the lead changes happened in the first half. So, Acho, hate to tell you, man, I think you were one eye on the meeting, one eye on the game. But we both were watching the game, Slick. We saw it for what it was in that moment. Lead them yeah. starters out. And let's be clear. Let's be clear. The comeback was made by the Warriors C team against the Dallas Mavericks C team. Yeah. Fourth quarter. It was Slick. all of the bench guys. Nuh-uh, Slick. It was all lying. of the uh -oh. bench guys. Uh -oh. No, sir. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. What's what that? No, sir, Slick, because Luka was still out there getting buckets. Don't get it twisted, Slick. No, 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 no. Luka came back. Luka came back once it got down to 14 or 15. Mm. And then Moses Moody hit two quick threes, and that took it to eight. But the bulk of the work was done at the beginning of mm. the quarter mm. when it made it. I mean, once you get down to 15 or 16, that's when you start to think, oh, wow, mm. like, there's reason to be <laughs> a little bit nervous here. We've seen this before. It's also why I was yelling at my TV at the end of the first half <laughs> and the beginning of the third because I didn't want to see the Dallas Mavericks. I don't have a, a dog in the fight, but I want to see a good series and I want to see a competitive series. I would rather see more games than less. Okay. That said, I was yelling at my TV because it looked like the Dallas Mavericks were going to make the exact same mistake they made in game two, which is they built a double-digit lead, and then they got comfortable. Like, as long as we're good, 14, 15, we're good. And I'm thinking, these are the Golden State Warriors. 14, 15 ain't nothing. You guys need to push it to 20, 25, 30. You need to push it to that point where they're like, this is too big of a hill to climb. 
And especially since we got a game, we're going home. Like, we need to douse the fire over there. Don't, don't be comfortable. And that's exactly what they did in the third quarter, which is why I looked at the fourth. And as much as the Warriors were able to shrink it, we look at it like it was a double-digit lead. And, oh, my God, now the game's uh, – no. The Warriors had been playing a certain way that was not effective. The idea that suddenly the Warriors were going to come back and erase a 10-point lead yeah. against how the Dallas Mavericks were playing their first unit – was just unrealistic. And so there was a psychological advantage to gain here. Not a win, not a sweep, a psychological advantage going into game five. And Steve Kerr, for whatever reason, decided, ah, maybe I, maybe I can get a sweep. Maybe, I, maybe mm. I'll take a shot here. And it was not what he had learned. It, it certainly was not from the Greg Popovich handbook of coaching. Greg Popovich would have gone all psychological. Hmm. Yeah, we almost beat you with our C unit. Wait till you see us in game five when hmm. we put our starters out there to close the game. Deep. That would have been his approach. Steve <laughs> usually reads from that book. He did not last night. Mm, strong finish right there for Slick. Stall Acho out, man. You can't blame Acho in a business meeting. At the crib, too, Acho, I'm, uh, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, you too chill. He got on his velvet robe, sitting there one eye on his money, money on his mind. Mr. Multitasker. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I can't get mad at my dog if he was thinking different than we were because we were actually watching that guy. Coming up, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, young superstar quarterback. But we'll tell you which teams have the brightest future next. On Speak for Yourself, how much money you signed for last Tyreek Hill's trade to the Dolphins has some people scratching their heads since he left the former MVP and Patrick Mahomes for Tua. Hmm. But Hill praised his new quarterback yesterday saying, quote, Tua actually has probably one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. This got us thinking about teams with the brightest future. So, Otto, get us started with the top ah! five. Yo, boy. Oh, perfect placement. There's nowhere else you could have threw that ball and completed it. Ball that was pretty. Oh, that was pretty. I had to get him out the middle of the field. He was working on his T-step. I had to get him out the middle of the field. Break. Just get over. Good play. Man, What's top up? five brightest futures. How about number Five. You was just talking about them. Let's the go. Miami Dolphins. Okay. I think the Don't Miami write. Dolphins' mm -hmm. future is incredibly bright. And I love it. It's not just about Tua for me, though, y'all. Mm. It's about Mike McDaniel. The more I have talked to players who played for the Niners and played for the 49ers, they say that Mike McDaniel was really the brains behind the operation. Ah. Think about Debo Samuel when Mike McDaniel became the offensive coordinator. Debo Samuel Pew. became a first-team All-Pro. All of a sudden, he's leading the National Football League in total yardage when you mm -hmm. want to talk about accumulation of mm -hmm. running yards and mm -hmm. receiving yards. He's atop the league. Mm -hmm. So I have the Dolphins at five because they are a young team. I trust Tua. I trust Mike McDaniel. They're going to do much better than Marcellus is dancing right now. Lawson over here, baby. At number four. How about the Los Angeles Chargers? Four? Yeah. You better take three off. Uh-uh. The reason I got the Chargers at four, and we're going to talk a little about it more, but first let me praise him. Justin Herbert, we know what kind of guy he is. Brandon Staley, we know what kind of coach he is. The only reason they are not higher, I will get more into it later, their division is the toughest in football. Oh, okay. Quarterback's toughest Respect. in football. Respect. So it's going to be hard. As good as Justin Herbert and as bright as their future is, mm. boy, the future around them for other teams is bright as well. Let's go. Let's go. Number three. Philadelphia Eagles. I originally, here's the thing, I originally had the Chargers higher than the Eagles. Think about the competition. It's not just about how good you are, how good are the teams that you're playing. 
Washington football team. Okay. They're, they're just not going to be that great going forward. Yeah, yeah. New York Giants. Okay. I don't think they're going to be that great right. going forward. Right. Meanwhile, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, then defensively, Jordan Davis plus Darius Slay. Then you just got him Bradbury, the cornerback from the New York Giants opposite him. Then you got a linebacker, uh, N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. They look to be set. They are a very talented team, a young resurgence mm. of a team now with Thanks. the influx of youth. Thanks. And Nick Sirianni, I think his coach, his ceiling as a coach seems to be higher than. I'll we save my pushback. Keep going. You're in flow right now. Number two. Where we go? Cincinnati Bengals. It's, it's easy. It's easy. How is that easy? Joe Burrow in his second year went to a Super Bowl. How much brighter of a future can you have? Oh, the dude went to a Super Bowl yeah, yeah. in his second year. Yeah, yeah. His first yeah, year yeah. healthy, he was in the biggest game of the season. So for that reason, Joey B, baby, and Cincinnati Bengals shirt up the offensive line. They have three new starters this on the offensive easy. line, this and they were getting easy. sacked way too much. And number one, though, we already know where you're going. Let's go, Buffalo. No, I already Josh. know this. Josh Allen, Woo. Young. I don't like your list too much. Oh, no. Athletic. Head coach Sean McDermott. He just seems incredibly He's stable. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Smart dude. Smart dude. Dayball, gone. Yes. I recently was talking to some Giants players this past weekend. I heard Dayball is brilliant. Really? Offensively brilliant. Love that. I heard the freedom that he gives his wide receivers, the freedom that he gives his quarterback. I heard that it is brilliant. Mm. So I'm interested to see just how good will Josh Allen be mm. without his offensive without. coordinator. Okay. But as it stands right now, mm. think about more than anything, all of these teams have young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Fourth-year quarterback, third-year quarterback, third-year quarterback, third-year quarterback, third-year quarterback. So my youth is really predicated upon a whole bunch of young quarterbacks. Yeah. And what I actually didn't even think of, second-year head coach, first-year head coach, second-year head coach, third-year head coach, maybe fourth-year Four, head yeah. coach, and then Sean McDermott, maybe six-year head coach. Been there for so me. we're talking about a bunch of young coaches, a bunch of young quarterbacks. Future's bright. Okay. Future is bright for your list. Uh, I got some issues with it. I'll get it after I go through my list. I think you got blinded by that young core of quarterbacks and their bright future because you forgot a veteran in there. Let's go with number five. Los Angeles Rams. Your team from last year, you rolled that horse. You think Matthew Stafford left Detroit in his first year in L.A., wins the Super Bowl, and now I'm about to fall off? Oh, it's just getting started out here. Because now, L.A.'s already been a destination. But with this Super Bowl championship team, with Matthew Stafford, who I just saw a couple days ago, let me tell you what he told me. He told me some things. Basically, he's feeling better than he was all of last year. Did not know. Last year, he was playing through an injury. Had the little elbow get fixed up. We're going to see a better version of Matthew Stafford. And an even better version of the Rams. Number four. I hear you with the Dolphins right around there, so we shouldn't argue over that. Miami Dolphins, Tua. Let me remind people who Tua is. Number one quarterback recruit that goes to Alabama when Alabama was offensive-minded. Then he becomes the national passing efficiency quarterback of the year, greatest quarterback rating of any quarterback in college football history. Then goes to Miami and has a bunch of issues surrounding him. Now the path is forward and clear to in the Dolphins. They're going to ball. Number three, I mean, how, you, mm. how you forget about mm. the Chiefs? Throw them up there. Andy Reid has come to his conclusion. That is a smart one. I don't need a receiver out there doing all that work. I'm Andy Reid. I can game plan us to success. And that's why Patrick Mahomes had a higher passer rating 
without Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes gets the ball spread around to all of those resources. You got to remember old Philadelphia Andy Reid. Now with Patrick Mahomes, an upgrade to a Donovan McNabb who was amazing in himself. Oh, them Chiefs are still going to be balling. Number two, come on, let's go get it. Buffalo Bills, I have them at two. I was thinking number one, but here's the thing. You just talked about it. There's a change of offensive coordinator right now. I want to see how they go out there and perform under new circumstances. Number one, I guess you're going to put the Eagles up there. I put the Chargers up there. Let's just go. But I think the Chargers right now, with the balance that they have defensively, when you bring in a Khalil Mack, now all of a sudden, can I see it? Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. Throw them up there. Chargers are number one. There you go. That guy. Come on, man. Come on, man. There's no one better. Maybe Josh Allen, but Josh Allen got to deal with a little bit of a different circumstance and play caller than my man Herbert in his system once Here's again. my problem, big dog. Here's my problems. Problems. Does he have a winning record, Justin Herbert? No, he does not, actually. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, homie, that's why the future bright, because it can't get darker, homie. You're right. You're <laughs> so, right. So I, I actually, I, I'm, it's funny you say that. Mm. That was my philosophy, okay. right? Brightness is relative. Mm. The reason the future is not bright for the Chiefs is because I think the Chiefs' greatness has plateaued. I think Tyreek Hill was more important to the Chiefs than we're giving him credit for. Ooh, we'll see. Reason being, Tyreek Hill been in the league for six years. Been a six All Pros. Mm-hmm. So when I look at Tyree Kill, six six Pro Bowls. Pro Thank you, sir. Yep, yep, I yep. three three All Pros, six Pro Bowls. I'm with you. So the reason the Chiefs' future is not that bright in my mind, it's already been bright. Mm. The Rams, that is a good answer. Different for the Rams, they look like they want to turn their light switch, switch off at a moment's notice. Oh, Sean McVay Ooh. contemplated leaving this year. Yeah. Aaron Donald contemplated mm-hmm. retiring this you year. You know what it is. I do know what I it gotta is. I got to play it off to get paid off. But I don't <laughs> like all that, big dog. I mean, like it all is. of my coaches and all of my quarterbacks on all of my teams on my list, mm-hmm. they're all dedicated. Yeah. They're all here to stay. Yep. You got some guys that are still flirting with retirement and flirting with working on TV to get some coins, big dog. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about our issues, discrepancies. Let's start with this Eagles right here. You keep talking about how good they look on paper, which is true. Looks like they closed the gap. But the Cowboys own that division. So if you lose to the Cowboys twice, you got four more games in your division. Where are you going to go? 4-13? and 13? No, the Eagles are going to be a good team. They were a playoff team last year. Mm-hmm. I expect greatness from but Bright. You said there's still a question mark about what's going to happen at quarterback. Jalen Hurts is not – they said this is your year to prove it. You have to prove we have all the resources, bring in A.J. Brown, et cetera. All that said, if there's a question mark around you, how do you have one of the brightest futures? Very, very, very simple. I love the receiving core of the Eagles. They have the best receiving core in the NFC East. The Washington football team, Washington Commanders, (laughs) Washington, (laughs) they can make an argument depending on how their young receivers or young rookie plays. But I like the Eagles as far as receiving core. I like the Eagles as far as a pass catching tight end in Dallas Goddard. Mm. I like the Eagles as far as head coach and creativity. Mm. And then defensively, I really like what the Eagles got going. But more than anything, Mm. of all these divisions, I just think the Eagles are in the easiest one. No, I get that. That's why get I have that. the tra- literally I had the Chargers up higher. But mm. then I was like, bro, Chargers gotta see the Broncos, gotta see the Chiefs, gotta see the Raiders. All three of those teams could yeah. be on your list as far as bright futures. Mm. So for that reason, it's mm. not that the Chargers' future is not bright or that the Eagles shouldn't be this high. Eagles just have the least resistance, big dog. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But what about these Bengals? Uh, you told me, oh, in your second year, you go to the Super Bowl. Dan Marino, did he ever go back? Eh, I What's don't know. What's aversion to Joe Burrow? No, I started to know. Oh, you starting to feel like something? Joe Burrow. I don't believe in Joe Burrow like y'all believe in Joe Burrow, but we'll see. 
there's something about maybe a little overachievement with this team last year. Now, that's tough to measure. If you don't make it back to the Super Bowl, am I right? Or if you make it back to the Super Bowl and win, then you're right. But Joe Burrow set a high bar early. But typically, quarterbacks who do that outside of, like, Tom Brady, they don't get back to that same level of greatness. We'll see. Because even Patrick Mahomes, yo, second-year starter, win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And you're telling me Joe Burrow, Here's who's why. been injured Here's why. and sacked the most, is going to do it again. Because we rarely ever see combinations like we're seeing with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Mm, in college, like LSU that. National Championship, in the NFL, now all of a sudden you get to the Super Bowl. The only combination I've seen as good as Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is my off-camera quarterback and me <laughs> playing receiver. That's the only combination Y'all that I see. Oh, in this man, 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 man. oh, man. That's the only one. You that's, got, the, that's the only no, combination. You Sam. knew your personnel. You got a goal line oh, defender. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, I didn't drag it. I didn't drag it. But in college, that's a tutty. In college, watch it. Hold watch on. Foot. Watch his foot. Watch that foot. Boom. Oh. I got one in. In college, that's a tutty. Next time, though, next time I'm going to just drag that joint, big dog. Next time, I'm not going to let you fool me in formation and have me out there playing backer. I need to be four-point stance. Need to be on the line rushing. Oh, that's amazing. All right, coming up, what's going on oh, with Jimmy G one. and the 49ers? You got another one? one? Boy, you rolling today. We'll tell you what they should do with their quarterback. <laughs> I show on fire, y'all. On speak for yourself. Stop pointing. You score one touchdown, you already selling it. The Warriors played the Mavericks in Dallas yesterday, but everybody's minds were on the mass shooting at an elementary school earlier in the day. That was just a few hundred miles away in Uvalde, Texas. Before the game, an impassioned Steve Kerr chose to speak about gun control over basketball. Take a listen. I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight, but I want every person here, every person listening to this to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister, brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. Slick is back with us, so Slick. What's your reaction to the tragedy in Texas? In the big picture, guys, it's, it's a reflection of how disconnected we are as, uh, as a country and how we have different definitions of what it means to be an American. I, I had the opportunity to drive across the country one time from the Bay Area to Washington, D.C., and I did it by myself, and I did it on all two-lane highways. I went Route 66 as far as I could go, and then I took the Santa Fe Trail. And what it taught me, uh, which for all of my travel and exposure to things, is how vast this country is and how different the realities are from mile to mile to mile. The geography is different. The people and the way they live is different. We, we have enormous differences in our country. And for the longest time, we've been able to live with those differences and live in our own silos and, uh, and survive and thrive. But the world has become smaller and we've become far more integrated. When I think about where the shooter was from, it's from North Dakota, it's not from Texas originally. When I look at some of the tragedies that happened and I, I look at some of the disagreements that we have, we have become far more conscious of our differences than our similarities. And 
it's honestly, it's one of the things that I appreciate about our show. Uh, I, I think our, uh, the title of our show would be Listen, Consider, and Then Speak for Yourself. It just, mm-hmm. It's just a little ungainly to have the title of a show be that long. But what I appreciate is that we listen mm-hmm. to each other and that our opinions are changed or potentially formed off of what we hear from each other. We don't have that going on in our country today. Because I honestly, I mean, it's a tragedy, but it's a tragedy that happens over and over and over and over again. And why does it happen? It's not because people in this country who are for uh, owning guns don't care about their children, don't care about their loved ones. It's we can't decide collectively how we get there because we're not listening to each other. And we have factions that pit us against each other, that have us focus on our differences rather than our similarities. And it's easy. And why would they do that? Because it's profitable. Yeah. Um, one other a quick, <coughs> quick anecdote. I was on a, on a flight just recently, and I was sitting next to a um, former member of the service. And he looked over at me, said, um, NBA guy, right? I said, yeah. And this guy, this guy knew my entire career. <laughs> But I started asking him about what happened in the Middle East. He'd been, he'd been stationed all over the Middle East. I said, what's, what's the problem there? And he said, you know, at the heart of it, we want the same thing that they want. There's no difference between me and the Afghans and uh, the people that we are fighting in the Middle East. They want to take care of their families. They want to take care of their loved ones. They want to see that their, their children have a better life than they did. But it is profitable to pit us against each other. And that is what has been happening until we get to the point where we collectively take back this country and say, we are going to find a solution. We are going to work with our neighbors, uh, with people that may look or sound different than us. We're going to find that commonality that we have rather than our differences. Then this is going to continue. It's funny. we, We forget the name of our country is the United States of America. And yet, when you look at all that is happening in our country and the divisions politically, we are more like the divided states Mm. of America. And until Mm. that changes, then things that that happened in Texas and in Colorado uh, and, and, and Buffalo, those are going to continue to happen because we can't collectively come to the point where we realize that our problems are all of our problems. You, you hit so many great points, Slick. Um, I think what has illuminated my mind so much the last 24 hours is a Ben Franklin quote. Justice will not be served until those that are unaffected are as outraged as those that are affected. Whenever tragedy strikes, we typically do something like this. Imagine if it was your loved one. Imagine if it was your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your child, your parent. Imagine. And see, the problem is we have to imagine it is someone we care about who has been killed in order for us to care that someone has been killed. And until we can get to the point of caring about someone's life, even if we do not know that someone, then collectively we will not see change because justice will not be served until those that are unaffected are as outraged as those that are affected. Thankfully, there has been outrage over the murder of 21 individuals yesterday. 
But I would be remiss if I did not mention the lack of outrage in comparison when you think about the shooting that occurred in Buffalo. I would be remiss if I did not mention the lack of outrage in comparison when you think about the shooting that occurred at the church in California. So why was there not nearly as much outrage about the shooting in California or the shooting in Buffalo? Because we, as a society, cannot as much identify with our Asian American brothers and sisters, nor can we as Americans, America being predominantly non-people of color, identify with our brothers and sisters uh, that were in Buffalo that were killed. But everybody can identify with their nephew, their niece, or their child, or at a minimum, everybody has been a child. And so until we are collectively, collectively mm. outraged, even when we are unaffected, then we will not see justice, nor will we see reform. So my response is we must continually and collectively work communally to be outraged against the injustices so that we can collectively see justice. Mm. Ah, no imagination here, guys. Um, I survived the bad aim of multiple gunmen on multiple days. Uh, that was just growing up where I grew up. That was a battle zone in itself. Um, it doesn't need to be a mass shooting for to still to have innocent victims. And this is in the 80s. This is before social media. This is before a collective conversation and outrage. Uh, one thing I know is none of us will speak for all of us. None of us will think for all of us. None of us will see the same things for all people. The toughest part about all this, man, to have what we have as a society is a lot of built-in trust and a lot of built-in buy-in. Let me give it to you. When you're driving down a street, you're in your far left lane. Someone else is coming the same direction you're going. There's a trust issue there. It's not the line that's keeping them in there. It's the trust that, hey, you want to go where you want to go. I want to go where I want to go, even though they're two different places. Mm. <sighs> what we don't have in this society, and which no society has, is a collective trust. Because everybody wants something different. And when you are the one on the outside not receiving the benefits that you see someone else receiving, how do you respond? Um... Moments like this really just pull at me because not only do I see the pain in the faces of those victims' families, but it makes me think of the pain that I escaped, but still the trauma that I felt from being in the vicinity of such incidents. And they happen every day. This is the thing. They happen every day. So what do we do with this emotional response? that is different than all the emotional responses that we've had as a collective to mass shootings and what individuals have to go through on daily basis. It's not a supermarket. It's not a church. It's not a school. Sometimes it's just at home. Sometimes it's just walking down the street. And until everyone is now going to put themselves in an empathetic position with that in mind, I hate to say it, guys, gonna be tough to find a solution thanks for joining us slick more speak for yourself after this we have breaking news in the nfl a report says colin kaepernick is scheduled to work out today for the raiders head coach josh mcdaniels and gm dave ziegler are expected to be in attendance 
This will be the first team-sanctioned workout with an NFL franchise for Kaepernick since he last played in the league back in 2016. Nacho, what's your reaction to Kaepernick getting a workout with the Raiders? Oh, thank goodness. I'm waiting on this one for several reasons. Um, Here we go. Thrilled Kaepernick is getting a workout, number one, because good. Colin Kaepernick, he has said that he's been grinding for the last several years Mm -hmm. to get an opportunity. You cannot get a job unless you get a workout. He's gotten a workout. Hopefully that will lead to a job. So thank goodness he is getting a workout. The second thing is now both sides of the aisle can pipe down a little bit. Oh, Kaepernick gets a workout. Hopefully, to some degree, we'll be able to learn and understand, does he still have it on an NFL level? Mm. Not on an Instagram level, not on a Twitter level, and Mm. definitely not on a TikTok level. Does he still have it on an NFL level? When he is throwing in front of NFL scouts, NFL coaches, NFL general managers, and NFL owners, or at least an NFL owner, all of those things being singular, Mm. does he still have it on an NFL level? So... I'm grateful that we no longer have to speak in hypotheticals. We no longer have to speak in imaginative words and in imaginative feelings. Now it's real. Cap gets a real workout, and hopefully the Raiders come out and they do not sugarcoat. Mm. Hopefully they come out and said he looked good, he didn't look good. Hopefully they come out and give it to us real and authentic. Don't make us read between the lines. Call it what it is. Now, Hmm. Let's preemptively sell as you who have been through workouts and me who have gone through workouts. Yeah, they can come out and say, hey, you look good, but we don't want to sign you right now. And that's not an indictment on Colin Kaepernick. Hmm. I tried out for the Raiders back in 2015 after I broke my thumb. The Philadelphia Eagles released me flew out to Oakland at the time. Tried out. Hey, man, you look great. We don't want to sign you right now. Hmm. And it had nothing to do with where I stood as far as the national anthem. So it's going to get Hmm. a little convoluted. And I hope that we can find some truth in this workout interesting you said convoluted when this is supposed to clear it all up how crazy is that watch what you ask for in this world you just might get it well everybody's gonna get what they want right now and i'm so glad because everyone's been asking is colin kaepernick real is Colin kaepernick ready for the nfl we'll see the thing about a workout is one it's a subjective response that comes from those evaluators It is an indictment on Colin Kaepernick if he doesn't get signed. You want to know why? If you have a perfect workout, you're supposed to get signed. If you don't have a perfect workout, oh, oh, you really? Oh, don't take it personal now. I'm just telling you, if you see Colin Kaepernick destroying it, and I don't know if they have other agendas and motives behind it, but if you're going out there objectively, I'm looking for a quarterback to have a good workout. He blows your socks off. Why aren't you signing him? I'll give you that. Because here's what I don't want fans at home to think, because that's just... It's just not factually true. There are several types of workouts. Let's go. There are some workouts where you know, hey, they're signing somebody here. I remember I went to a workout for the New York Giants in 2013. Um, who's their big running back? The big Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs. He was there. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw. Shaw, yep. He was there. Um, I was there along with a couple other cats. I knew they were signing a running back. Yeah. But linebackers, they were just kicking the tires. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. sometimes they might just want to see, hey, Kaepernick, what do you have in the event we Great get point. into training yep. camp? We don't like what we got. Now we ain't got to work you yep. out. Now yep. we can just sign you. I just don't want fans at home. No, you're like, right. He killed it. Why ain't they sign him? It's because of – calm whoa, down. Whoa, whoa. more to it. It's yeah, to yeah, it. you're right. Well, one, how they going to know? Like, they don't film those workouts for public viewing unless Kaepernick wants this one seen. Two, if you're the Raiders, make sure you're going to show up. Let me stop the jokes. Um, Here's another thing. Three, you don't always get signed with a workout, and you don't always have a great workout and get signed. You're pushing back on. 
If this is just to kick the tires, this is a mistake by the Raiders. Why? There's other ways to evaluate Colin Kaepernick without bringing him in, kind of starting this conversation, and then say, no, that wasn't good enough. So for me, I think this is a real opportunity. Now he has to really show up and be ready for the NFL, because if not, whew, we thought we went through it before. Watch after this. Coming up, what's going on with Jimmy G and the 49ers? Let me tell you what they should do with their quarterback on Speak for Yourself. You think they kicking tires on this? Hey. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the 49ers roster, but Kyle Shanahan said yesterday their intention of moving him has not changed since his offseason shoulder surgery, adding, quote, I expect him at some time, most likely to be traded. But who knows? It's not a guarantee. So, Sal, what should the 49ers do with their quarterback, Jimmy G? Oh, man, well, Jimmy G should be gone already, but he's not. So it's not about what you want, it's what you need. And Jimmy G is your insurance policy. Why? Because Jimmy G needs to be on this roster because you don't trust what you see from Trey Lance. It's just that simple. You cannot roll the dice on Trey Lance and lose a Super Bowl contending roster off of one bet. And I know you're a gambling man, but I have never heard you say you walk downstairs to the casino and said, here's my bet. And they say, oh, what are you betting, Mr. Ocho? Everything. You don't bet everything. And I've thought that before. I was like, yo, I got this amount of money. I could double up if I just go downstairs and hit that one bet of everything. You imagine if you try to place that bet. That's why the 49ers still have Jimmy G. So what should they do? Be smart. Be safe. Have insurance. Keep Jimmy G on the roster until you're certain of Trey Lance. If not, you're going to lose the rest of that team and that locker room. From what I've heard, Sal, well, first and foremost, 49ers have to keep him. Because the 49ers have one of two decisions to make. They swallow their pride or they sink the franchise. Mm. One of two decisions Mm. to make. You either swallow your pride and say, you know what? We preemptively drafted, overdrafted Trey Lance. It's one option. Swallow your pride. Yo, we preemptively drafted him. We overdrafted him. He's going to have to sit until he's ready. Or you sink the franchise. Mm -hmm. And you give the keys to the 49ers to Trey Lance, even though he's unprepared and underskilled at this junction in his career. You have a decision to make. Mm. If I am... Kyle Shanahan, I'd have to reframe the whole situation. Jimmy G is our guy. Trey Lance is not ready. We're going to roll with Jimmy G until Trey Lance proves that he deserves to be a starter in the National Football League. Because mm. we can already read between the lines. Mm. When you think about the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, not only did Aaron Rodgers ball, but we knew that Jordan Love never made Aaron Rodgers indispensable. Yes. And the only way you can replace Aaron Rodgers is if he can become indispensable. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the same thing right now with Trey Lance and Jimmy G. Mm -hmm. If Trey Lance was a dude, we wouldn't be having this conversation. The only reason Jimmy G is still on the roster is because Trey Lance is not a dude just yet. So, Kyle Shanahan, go ahead and tell us what we already know. We've already read between the lines. You might as well state it and get ahead of it. Man, they got caught up in doing too much. And it's okay to admit that you made a mistake. It doesn't mean you're a dummy. It just means you got this one wrong. You've done so many right things. It's amazing the human ego in these moments. It's like good ain't good enough. Like they had, you had Jimmy G. Jimmy G, in terms of win percentage, since 2016, is fourth. And you giving that up, you giving up the fourth of most wins at quarterback to hopefully, what, go top three with Trey Lance with a Super Bowl-ready roster? <sighs> Reminds me of all my homegirls when I hang out with the, the fam, and hydrate, sip a couple. And I remember my homegirls were like, all of them complain about why they single. 
And I'm the mean friend. Like, I'm the one that you ain't going to want to say that to. Surprise. Because <laughs> I'm like, it ain't all the dude's fault. Y'all got problems, too. And I would address those problems privately. But I all, I surmised it all by saying this. Don't miss the boat waiting on a yacht. Don't miss the boat waiting on a yacht. They went for the yacht. They went out there and said, Trey Lance. And they had a boat right there that would have got them exactly where they knew they needed to go. Back to the Super Bowl and hopefully got over the hump. So you Damn. told your friends to settle? No, I told my friends that y'all got to look in the mirror before y'all start looking to see things out there clear. Ooh-ooh. Acho? Anything? I'm the yacht. <laughs> and that's why they still wait. Coming up, Tyree was already giving his new quarterback high praise. Let's tell you if we're buying all the compliments for two. Yep, you the yacht. Next, don't speak for yourself. Oh, my God. Tyreek Hill had a former MVP in Patrick Mahomes, but he's in Miami now and is already praising his new quarterback. Hill said, quote, Tua actually has probably one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. Adding he's very confident in his quarterback. So, Acho, you buying Tyreek Hill's praise of Tua? <laughs> uh, I am because I'm buying his praise because he has to praise him. You feel me? Like, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I don't think it's disingenuous. I genuinely think he's like, look, I can make it shake with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is not the quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. Tua. Tua is not the quarterback that Patrick yeah, Mahomes is. We get but Tyreek Hill knows, just get me the rock and I'm going to make it do what it do. Like, I don't Aww. need a quarterback to do all that stuff. Just get me the rock and I'm the one that's going to make it happen. So you're saying he ain't lying, but he ain't telling the truth. That part. Oh, come on. But you know what Tua? You it's, forgot Tua. Sam, you forgot who Tua is. It's Go. your truth. It's their truth. And it's the, the truth. truth. I think their truth is that Tua ain't no good. I think your truth, Tyree Kill, is that, yo, Tua is great. And I think the truth we're going to find out this year. Don't I don't find think out. anybody knows the truth just yet. What? Tua has not had a plethora of offensive weapons. Tua right. didn't have the weapons of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and if we yeah. be real, Tua's best receiver was a tight end, if we really want to call it what it is when it comes down to touchdown yeah, catching yeah. receiver. Now you don't give him Jaseki, you don't give him Waddle, you don't give him Hill. I think he can make something happen. Tua a beast, dog. You forgot. The dude had an old man injury. His hip fell off. Like, it takes a couple years to return from that. But before that. So you calling Shannon Sharp old? He know he old, but he look good, dog. What did he eat that I don't eat? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Shannon, hit your boy. Forget y'all over here in dress battles. Let's get our body battles going. I want something. That's it for us. See y'all tomorrow. Why he look like